I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed. I'm Bob of Ken Knapsack. And I am the son of... Jo- no, I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. And we're here for a news and cues. And Joseph, 
Holy moly, Lucasfilm, <laughs> finally, the last couple of weeks, they've been helping us out with the news cycle, yeah? Yeah, this was so great. We often, to the point where uh, many listeners and, and fans joke with us about it, we often finish recording on Monday, we release our episode on Tuesday, and either late Monday or early Tuesday will become huge Star Wars news. But this was great. Uh, I think you and I both had a similar experience. Uh, maybe there could be cutscenes like a romantic comedy. We both rolled over in bed. <laughs> <laughs> and our phones let us know that the trailer for the book of Boba Fett had bursted out of the proverbial Sarlacc just in time for us to just go crazy about it today. Absolutely. It was a, a good morning, a, a Star Wars surprise. And yes, I know there have been some rumors going on. I'll be honest. I don't listen to trailer rumors at all anymore. Don't care. Uh, give me an official word so I can maybe schedule my life. So this was a very fun surprise. It's popping up in the morning. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we're going to dive into that real quick. But before we do that, we always like to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash four center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. So check that out. A little bit later, we have our four center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. But Joseph, that is not all. Oh, no. We also have an offer from Insight Editions. They're a publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books and other pop culture books, too. They are offering 35% off across their website if you use this special link, insighteditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week, we are continuing to recommend the Insight Editions book, Secrets of the Sith. It's a particularly fun book during spooky times, sadly. Spooky Times officially just ended, it being November 1st, but you can still dive into the Sith and all their secrets and the mean things that Sheev Palpatine has to say. If you want to do that, you can use this link, insideditions.com slash discount slash FC35. Check it out. Check it out. We're going to get to the news real quick here. We always, uh, if, if you're kind of just popping through here, uh, Force and maybe don't listen regularly, we we, we do love our, our life for Star Wars adventures. Part of the Star Wars adventure is getting this news this morning, which is <laughs> always fun. Uh, did you have anything, Joseph? Because I'll start with mine real quick. Halloween. I was at a little Halloween birthday party, uh, front patio get together, and, and a bunch of friends were handing out candy to kids in a very crowded neighborhood. It was it, it's it's called the Toluca Lake area of L.A. and they like literally bust people in. <laughs> and, <it's, laughs> and I got to tell you something, I, I, a little disappointed. I love Star Wars. I love Star Wars. I really? want kids. I need some more Star Wars costumes. Maybe let's work out. 2022 going to be a big year for Star Wars TV. I think I predict next Halloween, a lot of Kenobis, a lot of Andors, maybe some Fets. I think they're researching yeah. Star Wars costumes. A sea of Kenobis. I want to see lots of fake beards on kids. <laughs> So that was my Star Wars adventure. That's it. What about you, sir? So your your Star Wars adventure was just disappointment. It was disappointment. <laughs> I, but you know, and I, we always want to celebrate. But I, I got to be honest. I, I, it, after a while, I kept kept thinking about it. I mean, you know, there's a lot of great costumes, and and you know, a lot of the pop culture meme based, a lot of Squid Games, a lot of that kind of stuff. I get it. I get it. Uh, Star Wars has been a little quiet the last few months. Totally get it. Uh, and I'm like, this is not the year of Grogu costumes. Uh, but, you know, in the back of my head, you know, I'm sitting there, the rebel hat on, handing out candy. And, uh, you know, I, I want to see Star Wars represented. I'm sure there were. I just missed some of them. But, uh, they, yeah, they, you know, i got to face the facts sometimes. A little disappointed. I want a resurgence and, you know, like you said, kids and Kenobi beards. Well, look, I think I can help you because my Star Wars adventure uh, was seeing some stuff that I was very excited about for Halloween. Um, I. Love Halloween. Uh, as, as you know, uh, my wife and I took a walk in our neighborhood um, and it 
a row of we had been seeing people put up the decorations and a lot of skeletons kind of coming half out of lawns. <laughs> yeah. A lot of big displays going up, uh, all sorts of cool things. We knew that's the street to go hit if we wanted to just kind of see people out and about enjoying Halloween. Uh, waved hello to a lot of adults and happy Halloween. And then there were the kids started to come out. We got we got out at the right time. Um, and I saw a lot of, you know, expected things like you're saying, uh, no squid game. But I saw Super Mario. I saw a firefighter, the mm-hmm. princess, like all sorts of standard things. And then I was like you. I was like, is there going to be some Star Wars? And then we kind of rounded the corner and I saw the glow of a yellow lightsaber. I thought, this is great. Got closer. Uh, it was a, a a girl in kind of standard Jedi robes, uh, not specifically Ray, just kind of traditional Jedi robes, but with a yellow lightsaber. And I thought that's cool. That's great. And then Ken, uh, my mind was blown because the child next to her uh, was dressed as Orson Krennic. <laughs> <laughs> very specifically not just like random rebel like the white cape and everything he was orson krennic and i did a literal double take and i almost stopped and said are you orson krennic uh but you know you have that like should i speak to this child (laughs) that i don't know right uh kind of hesitancy and uh it was like a whole big uh, group of people and you know, parents and kids discussing where they should go. And I didn't want to say, I, I understand you as a family are talking, but uh, I need to engage with this child about Star Wars. So I almost, I almost turned around and asked, uh, yeah. you are Orson Krennic, right? But then there's a little part of me that like, would the kid go like, oh, I just thought this was a generic Imperial outfit. Right. And then would I be disappointed? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I, I ultimately saw two Jedi and one Orson Krennic, so there was some Star Wars Halloween representation here in uh, the neighborhood of Hollywood. I, I, I absolutely love that because, yeah, you're right. It, in terms of pure outfits, it's a pretty good looking outfit. There, we could uh, can agree on that. But yeah, I would I would have turned around and yelled, "You have made time an ally of the rebellion." <laughs> the kid, he was with his eight year old things there. That's yeah, awesome. I mean, awesome. I did think it, it, Krennic's uh, famous quote: "Oh, it's beautiful." <laughs> I'd <laughs> love uh, you know, um, uh, pal. Uh, my pal Kate Mulligan. I, I think you know Kate too. Uh, Joseph mm-hmm. Schmoda and everything. A great comic, and she has two young boys, big Star Wars fans, and one of them wanted to dress up as BB Nine E. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, there is a BB Nine E costume. So uh, Kate helped make her uh, make her uh, a kid's dream come true. It was a great photo she put out on Instagram. Of and she just was like, yeah, there it is. As she was telling me uh, last week, she was like, I, I, you know, I mean, that that he's a Star Wars fan. He wanted to be the evil droid. There you go. You, I can see how kids would relate to BB Nine E. I want to be the one who's always watching and catches people. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of catching, as in catching us off guard, hey, we got some Star Wars news, and Joseph, here is the big lead. Boba and Fennec walk into a palace. That's how the joke begins. The Star Wars teaser trailer for Book of Boba Fett dropped this morning uh, as of uh, our recording day here. We're going to get this episode out a little earlier. Surprise to all of you as well. Uh, Now, like I said up top, Joseph, there were some little rumors popping around uh, I, I don't uh, i don't mean this to be snarky I just, I just don't truly i just don't pay attention to the trailer rumors until maybe something is official uh so i wasn't expecting this at all i hadn't really paid attention were you tracking any of those rumors at all no honestly the the that disney plus day is coming relatively soon uh, on november 12th um and i think there's probably going to be more revealed there but i was kind of expecting a trailer on that day yeah, same. And, and I know we got that behind the scenes uh, legacy Boba Fett thing coming our way as well, which is going to be great. 
Uh, but yeah, and so it was a pleasant surprise. So I almost recommend all of you just uh, turn off your news rumor notifications and be surprised <laughs> as you uh, uh, press your almost press your snooze button and then look and realize you got Star Wars. All right, let's dive into this teaser trailer. And uh, we got the key art there, nice cool poster. First reactions, Joseph. What? What have you? What are you thinking? Where are you at? What? What yeah. did you? Yeah, no, I just loved it. I've been very excited for the return of uh, Boba Fett for the possibility of it just by the existence of the show The Mandalorian. And then the revelation of the character in uh, season two was kind of exactly what I wanted. It was uh, this sort of brutal, minimal character that uh, people imagined uh, back in the 80s, if you're an original trilogy fan, mixed with all of these identity issues from the Boba Fett that emerged in the prequel era of him being so many different things, of a, a bounty hunter, a, a Mando by Creed, a, a clone, a, an orphan, all these different things. And in the season two of Mandalorian just kind of starts playing with that. So I'm already excited for what whatever they're going to do next with the character to explore these issues. And to me, this trailer just zeroed in on exactly what I'm excited about for Boba Fett as a character and sort of aesthetically. <laughs> like, my overall reaction to the trailer is like, did did Boba Fett himself cut this trailer? <laughs> because it is minimal and direct. It is about mood and kind of this just one thematic idea of, well, Boba Fett wants to be boss, and he's got some ideas about how he's going to be a boss. Is it going to work? It's just so punchy and direct, including some literal strikes with a stick from Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I could go on and on, which I probably will, but that that's my overall reaction. that it, It's minimal, impactful, and has this very clear, big-picture idea of this is further exploration of who is Boba Fett. I think you're right to talk about that vibe and mood and how it does kind of track with Boba Fett, the character, particularly the man in that uh, mask where we've never been too familiar with. But you mentioned the great prequel stuff, which helped expand that character. This 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 moved with the uh, slow intensity of Fett uh, loading solo into Slave One uh, at, at the end of Empire. Like it had that kind of vibe as well. And Fett's definitely a mood. Uh, yeah, my reactions, uh, other than just the wonderful surprise, which, uh, again, I keep harping on that, but it, 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 it kind of worked. It kind of got me going like, oh, I wasn't expecting this, which is kind of my thematic approach to this entire show. I wasn't expecting this show. Fett's never moved the needle super, uh, you know, uh, you know, for me over the years. Um, yet here I am with almost no expectations other than, hey, it's Star Wars. You give me a Ben Quadranero series I'm watching. And, I'm gonna be happy. <laughs> and that almost helped fuel a little bit more excitement than I would even think, where I've been excited for the show for a while, probably because of what they did with Fett in Mando season two. I really, uh, with you on that, love uh, what they were doing with him. Um, so therefore, it all kind of swirled like a nice ice cream cone, chocolate and vanilla <laughs> all swirling into this, like, I don't know what to expect. I'm not super, you know, waiting for this show compared to Kenobi and Andor, but man, I can't wait to sit down and just discover the show as it unfolds in front of me. So I'm in a different position than I've been in probably a few years as a Star Wars fan. We're usually, you know, I'm clued in and, you know, getting ready and excited and have daydreams about this, what this might be. I, I haven't been dwelling on this show, so I, I kind of like where I am on it, where here I am, Fett, Fennec Shand. Let's do it. I'm going to find out with all of you. And I just kind of, that's where I am initially. 
Okay, that makes a ton of sense. So I know you enjoyed, I know you've never had, you know, uh, you, you didn't grow up with Boba Fett fever. <laughs> I did not, I did not. Uh, but then you you did really enjoy him in Mandalorian season two. And now that yeah. is rolling over into like, yeah, I'm intrigued. I want more of that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, Give me your brochure, Boba Fett. I'm interested in your ideas. I am interested in a timeshare. Uh, yeah, and look, <laughs> and the trailer struck a, a similar vibe to some of the stuff in Mando season two. Which, if, if if I'm going to say anything negative, and it's not, it's not really negative with a capital N there. It's just like, okay, yeah, yeah, f- f- familiar vibe to some of the stuff, even the FET stuff we saw in Mando too. So it does feel like Mando, you know, point two, point three, or something like that. And I don't mean that as a, a, a like I said, big negative or an insult. But I, as I was watching, I was like, okay, yeah, got it. This is kind of the world we've been living in, uh, post Jedi bounty hunter underworld type of vibe with, with Mando. So uh, it, th- that's kind of where I went with the two uh, as well. But it's just, there's just some things, some great shots, some great things that we're going to talk about that, that just uh, it got me excited again. So yeah, you're right. No yeah. fever, but maybe. Yeah, definitely. There, I mean, a ton of great moments. There's definitely um, an element of nostalgia uh, for sure. Uh, you know, for people who have, who have lived with uh, Star Wars for different lengths of time, <laughs> yeah. uh, there's still an element of nostalgia. If you've been a fan for uh, two months <laughs> yeah. and return of the Jedi is your favorite, you know, even more for people who, who grew up in this very specific world. So I, I, I do agree with you that there's lots of um, vibes that feel similar to the Mandalorian, but that was the last thing on my mind. The three times in a row, I watched this trailer right away. Because for me, there's this key difference about the idea of leadership, right? Mm-hmm. Um, definitely in The Mandalorian with Din Djarin, he's, he's a simple man trying to make his way in the universe like Boba. Uh, he's definitely wrestling with this Mando idea and a, and a creed. And so I can see that people would kind of uh, gravitate toward the creed idea that's in this trailer. But for me, it's just, it's so different because mm-hmm. Din just wants to get by. And then once he has an assignment with Grogu, he just wants to complete that. And it's, it, we're even leaving Mandalorian off of, of Din's now got some potential responsibility with the Darksaber that he doesn't want. This to me is just like flipped utterly on its head. This is about who Boba Fett wants to be, not just as a person, but as a leader. I mean, I feel like this trailer is, uh, what if Vito Corleone personally put on armor and kicked people's ass with a stick? Right. Right. <laughs> it's that that's a really different perspective than somebody who shuns leadership the way Din does. Yeah. And that, and that's in the end, and we're going to talk about some of the big theme stuff there. That's what pulled me in and has uh, got me more than intrigued uh, coming forward is uh, the end. Kind of, they answering the question a little bit of like Boba Fett, where we left off, where he, you know, kills Bib Fortuna and throws him off and takes the 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 the, the, the throne there. Uh, exactly it, where where it, that code that kind of emerged and was established in um, Mando season two, at least for my money. Of uh, I'm a good guy, still a bad guy, still like violence, but I got some codes that I live by. <laughs> and, and rolling that out and 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 him basically, you know, like I said, we're gonna dive into it. But like, hey, Jabba ruled out of fear. Ah, come uh, come offer it a little uh, respect. What do you think about that? You want to you want to work with me? And there you go. Right then, I I uh, I was uh, pulled in because uh, that's going to be a little bit different indeed. So let's talk about some of these favorite moments, Joseph. Here, a uh, little uh, little uh, checklist of uh, cool moments. Uh, what do you got? 
Yeah, the um, I, I think the the wild eyed boba swinging the vibro blade. I like look that that <laughs> that was one of the more powerful moments of all of a uh, Mandalorian season two for me is is that look on on his face on Boba Fett's face on the actor uh, Dumor Morrison's face when he was just uh, letting the anger out, <laughs> you know, fighting with that passion, and to see that shot again, like you know, there's a lot of this where uh the trailer where he's trying to play it cool or he's trying to say like look why do we need conflict oh you gave me conflict <laughs> yeah okay i'm gonna give it back and when i do i am look i'm it's hard for me to keep my eyes inside my skull while i bash you is it just gives it this like energy and this real threat of like if he's trying not to be that person yeah if that's his last resort it's so great to see the uh, how ferocious it is uh, when he does go to that uh, yeah. resort, as it were. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's uh, that's some great stuff there. Uh, yeah, and, and and just uh, completely filling the uh, uh, continuing the void from that that episode. Continuing the void. Anyway, I, I, my I, my head swirling with all this Boba Fett excitement. Uh, continuing the mood that was set uh, and the vibe from that uh, Robert Rodriguez directed episode of just like I like hitting things. With yeah, chance. Yeah, and this is just total headcanon for me. Maybe maybe the show will delve into it at some point. I the way they're delving into Boba Fett's character, I like the headcanon that every time he kills someone for whatever reason, uh it is he is imagining he is uh, killing Mace Windu, which he never got to do. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I would love I would love I'm jumping around. I would love a moment where he's just staring off into the Tatooine uh, sunset, the, the twin sunset there, just the binary sunset thinking one day I never got my mace. I never got mace. <laughs> I never got my mace. Yeah. Uh, so that was a big one for me. Another big one. It's not that flashy of a shot, but it's it, uh, kind of um, it excited me of what it could portend. Uh, the shot of the Tusken Raiders um, really yeah. got me intrigued because so much of this trailer is about this. Hey, I'm I'm rebuilding Jabba's empire, but trying to do it my way. Uh, but. I'm so intrigued by we pick him up in Mandalorian season two uh, with the cycler rifle and the gaffy stick. And there that big question to me of like, OK, well, it seemed like he was able to subsist <laughs> on Tatooine. Uh, but that was that out of aid from the Tuscan Raiders mercy or does he have an antagonistic relationship and he took something from them? And just seeing them in the trailer makes me feel like not only are they in the trailer because they are a, a part of the reality of Tatooine, a part of the the power dynamic of Tatooine, but that means to me, I'm hoping that we're going to get a little bit more insight into Boba Fett's relationship with them. Yeah, I uh, I put that down as the shot of the trailer. Uh, wow, absolutely love that shot uh, because it just just on a just the way it looks, the way it feels. Growing up, the Tuscan Raiders and, and kind of uh, the view of them uh, back then compared to what uh, Mando has helped us kind of see them as now and wanting to explore a little bit more of that and and to, and, and to wrap it up with 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 Fett, like the relationship with Fett. These aren't these aren't Tuscan Raiders, just Roman. These aren't, uh, you know, uh, them uh, finding some two bit wannabe bounty hunter with Din Djarin uh, over their shoulder like this is. To me, the Tuscan Raiders, Boba Fett. I got Kenner action figures on my living room floor, and we're gonna play something out that I've never really, you know, experienced. And I, I and and it just looked really cool. And we know really cool goes a long way in Star Wars. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, and I think for me, the really cool, a couple other other shots. Um, 
that cityscape that is half in a crater and then still yeah. surrounding up. That is just one of those, to me, sort of peak Star Wars. Um, I always think in, in whatever behind the scenes uh, vignette that I think they probably released uh, online uh, in 2004, 2005, before Revenge of the Sith, where Lucas himself is talking about the design of the sinkhole cities of Utapau and how yeah. much he loves designing planets to be like, well, how would you make whatever environment work? And how would, uh, you know, the anthropology of how would living in this space affect the people who live there? And I don't know if that's a Tatooine city or not. I don't think there's full confirmation. It looks like a Tatooine city. So there's the just like, damn, that looks amazingly cool, amazingly Star Wars. But it also got me excited of like, is this a, you know, a, a new city on Tatooine that we haven't been to? Uh, yeah, right there with you. Another one that reminded me of some of the uh, initial shots of Jetta in the Rogue One teaser trailer mm. days, which were, it's that same good Star Wars vibe. Yeah, it's a great design. Uh, and I, that, yeah, it's like, I, I know we've been asking that question, will Kenobi leave Tatooine? Now the question is, does Fett leave at all? And it, that kind of almost doesn't make sense. Like he he's trying to establish this. And so I'm excited to maybe uh, take in an, a new Moss Blank <laughs> hopefully it won't just be called moss blank but that would still be a cool name <laughs> yeah yeah it looks good yeah just in terms of uh you know it being a television show and the, the volume we can talk about that but it just was a great s uh sf F SFX shot sound uh, special effects uh you know what i mean everybody yeah um <laughs> this all caught me off guard today i need to I, I haven't even finished my coffee that's why i'm a little stumbling <laughs> uh so yeah yeah that's a great shot anything else uh, that, uh, the shot of the coins falling out of the helmet, uh, hmm. that was a great evocative shot. And, it, you know, a lot of what I liked about the trailer is it feels like it is, uh, if not just the first episode, the first two episodes, it feels like it's really making an effort to say, we're not overplaying our hand. We're telling you generally what this is about, but we're not showing you a ton, especially of any later episodes. And so it, it seemed like in the the way it was edited that maybe the the coins in the helmet <laughs> mm -hmm. was somehow related to that conflict uh, that he appeared to be having on the streets of Tatooine there. But it's just a really evocative um, mm -hmm. image of, you know, what kind of transaction is going on and what kind of it, it feels in the trailer like a moment of somehow great disrespect. <laughs> yes. Yes. But how? Why? I don't know. It's just you know, he's worth a lot to me. You know, Boba Fett, famous line, you know, just this guy out there trying to make ends meet and get his money. You know, all those ideas tied up in this just kind of unique image. I don't know. There's there's the nostalgia, right? Yeah. There's the, yeah, especially, you know, for, for myself, my own perspective of, yes, having these action figures, this is a dream come true from 1983. Uh but then it's so exciting then to see images that are like, what is that about? That's a different image, iconography combined in new ways. I loved it as well. It made me kind of just this idea of uh, Fett's collecting on some unpaid debts. <laughs> and I, I'm not necessarily saying that's my plot prediction, but just like it had that because, you know, it's this little standoff in the street. Doesn't look good. And then he dropped and Then there's money in the helmets. Like he wasn't going to the arcade to play maybe uh, a <laughs> ball arcade game. Uh, and I just have, I love this thought of him just going, cool, I'm back. I've got the armor. I'm in a, you know, position of power here, but I have a checklist of things that I uh, need to fix or collect on from uh, people who maybe have done me wrong. <laughs> and I, I kind of like that. Thought. Yeah. And the idea of like, well, how did that happen? Is he, is he passing the helmet uh, to like, is this a, 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 you know, a GoFundMe in space? What's going on? <laughs> Very intrigued by that. Um, last one for me is that, that first shot. 
uh, of the what I believe is a Bomar monk. Um, yeah, same. That is uh, that is like if you know nostalgia could be a patch and just applied to my body so it gets into the bloodstream. Like uh, yeah. the I know many many fans love the Bomar monk, but that was for me one of the relatively early uh, once I started talking to other fans who had mm. the films on VHS and watched them again and again. Like he, you see that spider dude, right? What's that about? You know, yeah, that's one of the background characters that had been so intriguing. So to take it, it's such a literalization of mm -hmm. what's going on with some of this, of to take something that was literally in the background and at the very front of the trailer, put it in the foreground. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to talk about the Return of the Jedi vibes uh, a little bit later here in this section, but I love that too. That's one of my uh, choices, the Bomar Monk. Because, yeah, I have that weird relationship too, where I think I didn't even realize it was there for a lot of my childhood. <laughs> I think I blocked <laughs> it out. Scary spider droid is what I called it. Uh, and then realized a little bit more of the story and the Bomar Monks. And, and it's, it is intriguing. And, and uh, I, I, I'm not expecting a, a Bomar Monk character. <laughs> But I wouldn't mind that, uh, especially if it was like the same one. He just, you know, <laughs> I'm still working the door. Uh, I hope that the story of that monk is just like they're like a mall walker and they're just yeah, doing just, laps in and around the palace for exercise. Yeah, I don't go on the sail barge. I, I wasn't on the katana. I, I was here. No one came back. Uh, Bib, I was doing know. laps. Yeah. Uh, there we go. We still don't know how Bib got back here. So I uh, love that. Um, uh, yeah, that shot was there for me. You mentioned the Tuscan Raiders again. I just absolutely loved it. Uh, love uh, poster worthy kind of shots, intriguing shots. Uh, and again, doesn't seem like it's something that's in and around the palace. I expect they're going to move. They could they could tell me the entire series is just in the palace, an office place comedy, and I'd be okay with it. Uh, but I like the idea that, hey, we're going to be out and about on Tatooine, whether that big city, like you said, is Tatooine or not. I, I kind of got that feel it is. Uh, the Athorian, man. I love it. You know, here we are. We're, we're, oh. Yeah, uh, Mando did such a good job of, um, you know, there was... I don't think they, there wasn't an answer to the sequel trilogy stuff, but a lot of the, you know, sequel trilogy conversations about, hey, where's some of our classic aliens? We love the new designs, but where's some of the old ones we, we grew up with? And I, I think that was, that was fair to ask. And Mando's been like, oh, here they are. Uh, <laughs> and, and I just kind of like that vibe too, of just like, it is still playing in that world. It feels, it feels like a, 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 a store display of, of figures from 1983. And I don't, mind that as a starting point for the show because i don't think that's the meat of this show at all um, no it's cool no and i mean in something like the authorian you know uh, w one weird shot <laughs> basically in a new hope but then spiraling out from that not just the action figures of kind of the original trilogy era people but like how many different video games over how many different years mm -hmm. are, are you know players encountering interacting with authorians uh you know knights of the old republic <laughs> yeah. got plenty of quality authorian time uh all that stuff um popping up a lot in animated shows so it's it's it, it does just feel extremely like this sense of fun and sense of play of like why not they're well-known species mm -hmm. let's have some you know speaking parts on live action screen it's great yeah, and to, and to hear you got the translation going, but to hear like the the Thorian kind of warble of that language, which is this kind of wonderful melodic, uh, you know, electronic noise, like it's at a club or something. I've always loved the <laughs> Thorian uh, voice, and they and in the Bad Batch, they 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 play with it pretty well. To see it kind of 
a little bit more live action. Uh, not just doesn't make me just think of uh, the cantina from New Hope, but just uh, what we could do with the character and, and make it actually fully functional, even if it is just for a moment or a scene. We'll figure that out. A couple other things that stood out to me, and we'll take a deeper dive into the themes here. Is um, I love the line, I love the setup, but I love the line of "Please speak freely." <laughs> it means so much. <laughs> It's, it really does. It's, you know, yeah, I, I will hold back because it is, It uh, for me, it's just perfect thematic uh, moment as well as just like, oh, yeah. And you know you're dealing with a really scary guy <laughs> when yeah. they can say the nice thing and it sounds so scary. Yeah, yeah. It's such an invitation and a threat all wrapped up in the one. <laughs> and then the final thing about the trailer, just a, not a specific moment, um, and I think it definitely kind of starts leading into some of the theme discussions, I liked a lot of the moments where Fett doesn't have a helmet and that we're going to, you know, growing up in the eighties where, you know, you didn't know what was beyond that helmet. And then we learned that a little bit later on. And now we got the excellent tomorrow Morrison back in the role. So it just kind of makes sense. We'd want to see his face, but you know, that's us in the real world looking at this actor, but for Fett to be like, yeah, I'm back. Also my helmet comes off every now and then. Um, I, I just, something, something I liked about that. This kind of new kind of fat, a little bit more openness, a little bit more, hey, here's who I really am now. And we're going to all figure this out together. Uh, it's just something that kind of stood out to me. I think that's a really great thing to mention. I think it, for me, it um, it was great to see his face. And, and I think I was just engaged with seeing his face and getting to see those eyes pop <laughs> when the stick comes down. But you're so right. I think it ties into uh, the story that we've already seen with Boba Fett, that he definitely wanted his armor back. Uh, but he's been away from it for a while, and for whatever reason that we may uh, find out here, this is the moment he he chose to actively get it. Yeah. Um, but I think it, it speaks to he is going through a transition, right? That he yeah. that the armor is a part of who he who he is, but it is not all of who he is. And I think there's something interesting of of hey, if you think I'm just this terrifying faceless hunter. Uh, let me take the helmet off and let you look at look into my eyes, yeah. which are just as scary as any helmet, and deal with me, not the mask. Me, me, deal with me. Uh, I love this, and this goes into transitions into our discussions of some of the themes and some of the big questions, and uh, something too, Justin. We should probably talk about is this idea of yeah, a lot of good, healthy servings of nostalgia. But don't think that's the meal. If you think so, I think you're missing some of the stuff that's emerging already in this trailer. We're going to dive into that. So let's start with this thing here. Uh, Joseph Boba intends to rule with respect. Oh, what what does that mean? Shorter hours, longer lunch breaks? What's going on here? What do we make of this? And how does this line up with the Boba Fett that we uh, re-met in Mandalorian? Yeah, I mean, I think it is... uh it's powerful to me that the trailer starts with, uh, I am not a bounty hunter, right? Yes, like yes. it starts with like, if you asked <laughs> a random human being on the street who only kind of knows Star Wars, like Boba Fett, uh, what is he? And they'd be like, Oh, he's a bounty hunter guy. <laughs> yeah. Right. It is like the most basic definition of Boba Fett. Mm -hmm. So I think the fact that the trailer starts with that to me indicates uh, that this isn't, just the creed that he's always had but that this is a transition this is a choice to be like i have fully emerged from this transformative hell that i've been through yeah and now i'm doing things differently up to a point um i, I think for me this idea of uh i want to rule with respect not fear it, it, to me it is all about like claiming power right um 
it's the literal claiming of a throne. Uh, But again, it it goes back to that kind of question of who is Boba Fett, right? He's, he's a clone. He doesn't really like being called just a clone. He got mad at that in Mandalorian season two. He's been a bounty hunter, but he appears to be rejecting that. Uh, He has been a Mandalorian by creed. And it almost seems more that he's leaning into that, that idea of um, the world is brutal. So you got to fight back. Uh, I, my dad taught me that. Uh, I got shown that when he was murdered in front of me. That's been my life experience. The world is brutal, so you got to push back. But hey, wait. Yeah. Maybe it, we don't always have to be slaughtering each other. Maybe uh, we can have some basic respect. It, it it makes him into this extremely dark version of a Jedi, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> even a Jedi is like, hey, look, you're really doing something that's not okay. Can I help you? <laughs> if you won't accept my help, could you at least stop? If you refuse to stop, I might have to cut your hand off. And if you keep going, we're we're going to go places you really don't want to go. I really don't want to go. But it's all the very done from this very you know light side perspective. You know, uh, and this almost feels more like the. I don't need to be a raging monster. I just need you to respect the fact that I can be a raging monster, yeah. <laughs> and not live this petty life of stabbing each other in the back all the time just deal with me honestly yeah there's something i love about this here and i'll, I'll just start with the the original question that i was asking of you of, of what do we make of this respect thing i i i don't mean to just make some some one-off joke about boba fett gets his groove back but it's kind of the the idea i'm thinking of just like this is a this is a guy who who's who's been through a lot, uh, has worked, perhaps potentially worked through a lot of pain, but still kind of uh, really knows that violence is a, is is a necessity and and perhaps even a joy at times for him. But this idea of just yeah, this is I, I kind of keep making this joke of like a second career. Uh, a new lease on life. And what did he go through in the bowels of the Sarlacc pit and how he got out? And in this time that we didn't get to spend time with him at all, where Cobb Vance run around in his armor and Boba Fett's kind of strolling around the land on some, uh, you know, spiritual rebirth. I don't know. And what does that actually mean? Is there good in him? Uh, what's driving him? And now to sit here, just kind of be like, I'm the boss, but we're going to do it my way. And you might like my way. It's uh, it's just some big questions about this character that we uh, grew up not really knowing much about. And that's what I love about the idea of this series. And that's why I don't feel it's just this nostalgia pop. It is this like, let's take what you knew and let's go beyond it, which is what we, again, wanted out of Mando season two. And I I, I think it's fair to say we got that in the small amount of time that we uh, got Boba Fett. And just kind of reaffirms the idea that, hey, this this idea of a show has some meat on it, I think, versus, uh, hey, wouldn't it be cool if? You can start there, but you need to go beyond that. And I think just him sitting there going, I am, I'm not a bounty hunter. That's You're so right, Joseph. That's a great way to start start this uh, trailer. While you're dealing with the Bomar Monk nostalgia, Ithorian <laughs> stuff, here's him going, F your nostalgia. That ain't me. And you're going to find the new me. I really love that idea. Yeah, I mean, I love what you're saying. There's something, there's something kind of a, a emotional and mythic about like it, it, what did he go through? Not just in the bowels of the Sarlacc, but out out of it, right? What mm-hmm. kind of you know? How long did he wander uh, the desert? Perhaps literally having you yeah. know visions. Um, but he's emerging in this world of of transformation, right? The there's the New Republic. The Empire is gone, kind of. <laughs> kind of yeah. uh, and this idea that he would say, "I have been." a cog in everybody else's machine my entire life and i'm not being the 
cog anymore. I, I'm being the boss of the machine is so powerful. It, and I think that's what that I am not a bounty hunter. It's like I, I don't run errands for yeah. other people. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to rebuild this world, uh, my world, my underworld, uh, this world that I've been a part of yeah. and rebuild it to, to uh, operate with more dignity maybe. Uh, but what I really love about that, that final line that the speak freely is such a great, <laughs> just a bad guy, a scary line. But this is what gives the, the trailer such tension to me is very early on, we get introduced to this idea of like, I, I want to rule respect, not fear. And then the trailer ends with him trying to scare the bleep out of somebody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and that idea of um, is a weird comparison to make. Uh, but there's parts of this that make me feel uh, think of The Wire mm. of yeah. like, uh, you know, there's storylines in, in The Wire where people uh, from all different uh, parts of the system mm. are trying to change the system and the system doesn't want to be changed, uh, even down to, you know, drug dealers who are, who are who are realizing you know it's the violence that's a problem it's the violence that begets more violence between us it's the violence that brings the cops attention the cops kind of don't care if we sell drugs they care if bodies pile up so let's try to change the system and the system resists and yeah. there's there's almost that energy to this for me with boba fett of him going like i'm going to change the system and everyone around me is going to make that impossible <laughs> uh yeah which uh, kind of transitions into the next topic sentence and also i want to mention we, we're going to discuss fennec shand as well who's all over this trailer ming now wen is so excited to see what she can do with this character here but this idea you talked talked about it uh, talked about it there boba wants kind of cooperation to reach combined goals not conflict which would sound inspiring joseph a real <laughs> cat hanging on a log hanging in there kind of vibe <laughs> except as the trailer points out this is still the underworld, and this is the early days of the New Republic. We're a few years in. We already know what's kind of going over uh, in, in the Mando world. In the Mando, this is part of the Mando verse, but we got the vibe of the Outer Rim that is still uh, a little hard for the New Republic to clamp down on. So, hey, that also means it's a land of opportunity for folks like this. What do we make about that? Of this, like, hey, you know, if we stop fighting, like you just suggested, if we stop fighting, we might be able to make some headway. Headway doing what is the question? <laughs> Yeah, he's got that line of why speak of conflict when cooperation can make us all rich, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so I I don't think it is like, oh, I've learned that uh, violence is wrong. And in yes. fact, let's let's stop doing any bad things. And, you know, let's just go around and let's let's uh, feed the hungry. Like, that's clearly not going on. You're right. totally right. It's the underworld. Sorry. Sorry, I'm laughing at the and it's a good cause. But Boba Fett going, I want to feed the hungry in the galaxy. <laughs> we need to plant some more trees. That's what Tatooine needs is trees. We can do it. Um, yeah, I, I think for me, it's it. That's what, another thing that's going to make this really interesting. If I had to guess, I think that the philosophy that Boba Fett has been born into and his life experiences probably uh, create that view that look, this stuff is going to happen. Like yeah. no amount of Jedi, no amount of government are is ever going to make it so the spice doesn't flow, you know? Yeah. People are going to take spice. People are going to, uh, you know, take out hits on one another. Uh, people are going to want protection. Uh, yeah. Just a little bit of that uh, um, uh, uh, pessimism isn't quite right, nor is nihilistic, but somewhere in between pessimism and nihilism. <laughs> That more dark view of, hey, it's yeah. life. Like, look, if you have a community, someone 
is always going to go in and skim some money off the top of everybody. Right. So the protection racket is always going to be there. The only question is who. Right. If yeah. so, if he's starting from that philosophy of like somebody's going to fill this vacuum that that Java did, we're not going to just have a nice little uh, nonprofit. Tatooine's not going to be a friendly co-op. Yeah. Uh, that I will fill it, and I will fill it in a way where there is respect and dignity. I, yeah, I love it. I'm not super familiar with The Wire as as a show. Uh, uh, totally get its place in um, TV pop culture landscape. It, it's such a well-received, well-reviewed show. Um, so I'm not going to lie and say I'm an expert on the show at all, but I love you drawing that kind of um, connection there and this idea of, uh, I'm just trying to place it into Star Wars a little bit of, again, New Republic, uh, new opportunity, but also if we do it right we maybe won't uh, run afoul of this new government. We can kind of do our own thing until they get up on their legs. We'll deal with that another time. And again, we're not here to feed the hungry. We're here to feed ourselves. Uh, but there's a way to do that. And I am someone who has served my whole life and I ain't going to serve no more. Uh, that's, a, that's a great place to start and have those conversations. And uh, yeah, please speak freely unless you're against uh, what I'm trying to do here. Then we'll another conversation. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I think for me, I'm I'm very intrigued by that underworld idea of uh, somebody who believes that there's always going to be an underworld, and the only question is uh, who is going to run it, uh, versus the more optimistic view of the New Republic or the Jedi who say like, well, no, we can we we can take care of people's needs another way, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what I'm saying is this ends with Carson Teva showing up to confront over there. Right? No? <laughs> I think I think Carson Deva better keep his distance. <laughs> Uh, uh, one of the, the favorite shots in the trailer, I think for both of us too, and I, I've already seen people tweeting about it, is uh, Fennec and Boba Fett uh, uh, atop the palace there. Uh, what looked maybe was uh, Jabba's old master bedroom looking out onto uh, <laughs> Tatooine, the, the curtains there. Great shot. And and uh, we're excited for Fennec Shan. We got to meet her in Mandalorian and then get to know her a little bit more in Bad Batch. And a very interesting character, especially her relationship um, to Omega and the moments we got to see her. Uh, I, I Tossing this out to you, Joseph, here kind of on the fly. What, what do you think so far, Fennec, in this trailer? Again, we only got a minute, 48 seconds of this show to pick apart, uh, but she's pretty vocal. She's pretty up front and center here in uh, Boba's plans. Yeah, I know. I love how aligned she is with Boba. And if she has been a bounty hunter for a long time, she's the up-and-comer that we uh, is what we're told in, in Bad Batch of, like, she's really making a name for herself. Right. Um, that she would also be like, I am tired of the grind, right? I'm yeah. tired of being uh, a cog in other people's machines. And just it, what, what I see right now is just like, not only that sort of loyalty mm-hmm. uh, built on that respect of he saved me. And yeah, right. so I am, I am with him. And then I, I see him um, walking the walk, you know, I don't think it was his favorite thing to do is to do everything he did in Mandalorian season two to help Din, but that was the deal he made and he keeps his word. So this idea of this really strong bond between the two of them, because they, they've both been through the hell of being bounty hunters who have a lot of power and a lot of fear, but not really a lot of control of the systems ultimately coming together to go, let's do this. I like that she feels all in. And I kind of like that this trailer is, there's a ton of great shots of her. There's a ton of great line deliveries, but this is, uh, this trailer is not about her. 
and it makes me excited for future trailers of is that more room to explore of saying showing us a little bit what what maybe her personal arc or her personal challenges yeah no a good point this is a teaser trailer trailer for the show that serves uh boba fett it is all about uh, learning about him here too I, I agree with you there and and intrigued and i am again i i'm approaching the show with so just wide open expectations uh of just like I have, I have not spent a lot of time thinking about the show. Therefore, her place in the show is staying as is a solid number two, uh, running afoul of him or something happening. I, I, I am just intrigued. She's such a great performer, uh, and everyone immediately took to her as Fennec Shand. And so to have uh, Ming Na Wen uh, front and center is uh, is a victory for Star Wars overall. So excited for that here. Uh, starting to wrap up our discussion about this, and I'm sure we're going to have a lot more to discuss, especially <laughs> November 12th, as we race towards the show. Uh, if Mandalorian has been uh, and was kind of a uh, New Hope vibe for some, right? I think that's fair to say. It was kind of like, hey, remember that cantina we all love? Favreau loved it. We're going to tell a story with some of that stuff. Dump the action figures on the floor, as we have said, and they have said many times in interviews. <laughs> this one, without a doubt, I think it was, I saw uh, Kevin Scott tweet out of just like, I am such a huge Return of the Jedi fan. I'm so excited for this. And it really just did make me focus on the return of the Jedi of it all from the Boomer monk, uh, uh, you know, Gaborian guards in the background, uh, other characters, and just that great shot that made me think of Battlefront uh, one and two when you're running around Jabba's palace and fighting on the outside. <laughs> it's just a classic shot of the palace on the hill there. I actually pause it a few times to do that weird thing I do where I study like maps and stuff. I was like, okay, that's the that's the front door. Where do you park the katana? Where do you? I, I, I really love that shot. So let's talk about the return of the Jedi vibe of it all. Do you see it like that at all, Joseph? Absolutely. Um, I, I know people have a million different experiences depending on when they came to Star Wars. But, you know, from my experience, Return of the Jedi was such an explosion of like the cantina was a, a little drop. And then Jabba's palace was boom of not just like, cool, the aliens are weird, but just like there's this whole culture and there are all these questions of like, not only what is, what's the weird spider thing, but like, uh, the, how, how many more creatures does Jabba have under pits? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they, uh, Fennec Shan uses the term menagerie, which is like, well, if the rancor is not hungry, we got something else for you. Yeah. Um, obviously we see the cages and the tentacle comes out. So we don't, we don't know, all know what's in there, uh, but also just like the community of it, the culture of it, of like, we know some of these characters are are bounty hunters, but who are these other characters who just like party hard and then sleep on the floor of his yeah. throne room? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and uh, it, it opened up this idea of just kind of wanting to see more of this world, that space, the, mm -hmm. such great classic tip of the iceberg storytelling. And then over all the years of video games and animated series and, and video games where you get to literally wander around more of the palace. Uh, we've got a little bit of the in the more expanded kind of storytelling of getting to play around here. But this sort of promise on the screen of like, like you said, that 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 turret, if that is Jabba's palace, it looks like it like yeah, is that, that's that's Jabba's balcony where he'd go out to think his thoughts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Uh, that that is just exciting uh, mm -hmm. because it does tie to the Mandalorian uh, storytelling of. Tip of the iceberg. Did you ever want to know more about Jawas and Tusken Raiders? Here we go. And this does feel a little bit more of tip of the iceberg, uh, specifically of Jawas Palace, his world, the return of the Jedi. Again, I, it, it feels very, very much on purpose that yeah. a creature that we are fascinated with because they were shadowing the background is literally brightly lit in the foreground is a mission statement <laughs> yeah. for this show. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited about that. And again, because I I feel this trailer does tell you uh, we are going in different spots with this character and this setting that you love. I, I am uh, not concerned about nostalgia overload load here. And I, I also think I've always been on the side of uh, nostalgia ain't a bad thing in Star Wars. And it, you've you've always pointed out too, Joseph, it's kind of baked in to George Lucas mm-hmm. himself going, I love these stories as a kid. Let me tell you some versions of them. So I don't think it's uh, inherently wrong. I do understand uh, the concerns of overload and uh, maybe that stops some of you at the door and you don't want to come into the palace and have fun with the rest of us. I totally get that. But I really do think this trailer is indicating uh, that they're going to go beyond the nostalgia. But at the same time, that uh, that feeling you had as a seven-year-old. And, and that's the note I wrote for myself. That, uh, that little seven-year-old Kenny kind of got excited seeing that palace and knowing that we're going to spend some time there uh, in, in this place that um, sparked many daydreams of what happens there. And I make those jokes, but turning that corner in Battlefront on maps and mm-hmm. going, oh my gosh, this is like a little bathhouse side of the palace I didn't know existed. <laughs> there's a big like hookah thing in the center. There's like that grand meeting room. Like there's a lot of things that I'm just like fascinated because we only got to see this tiny corner of it because that's kind of all George and and the team could give us in 1983. And it was a, it was a great effort from them. Obviously, that's it made such a mark on us. But to actually roam around the palace in a way uh, is uh, is uh, an intriguing thing for me. So I'm excited about that. Any final thoughts, Joseph? Yeah, I think just to to really agree with you, I think there is that uh, we're going to be getting a lot of Star Wars, so we're going to be having this conversation again. Uh, I think we'll probably see here. Here's a huge speculation. I think we'll see Tatooine again in Kenobi. Um, (laughs) So there's a part of you, the general you, that can give in to cynicism, right, and go it's Tatooine again. Like, yeah, it's live action, but yeah, but we've seen Jabba's palace a, a million times in the clone wars alone. Who else has stood in front of that yeah. dais, right? That throne, you know, yep. Dooku, Anakin, Obi-Wan. Um, so you could go like, have, have we been here before? Uh, but for me, I am choosing to listen to my inner child who said, you know, uh, in the inner child from very young ages to, you know, inner child from to years ago who's like i want to know more (laughs) i don't want to just randomly uh, you know roam around those halls in a video game i want to get in there and understand that culture understand that perspective and for me i'm just kind of listening to my inner child who is extremely excited to see more of something i love Mm -hmm. and then also uh uh, inner child and i guess outer adult (laughs) outer adult who's excited because the trailer is telling us in my opinion, that we're not just rehashing stuff. This is literally a character in a moment of transition trying to change the system. It is a it is actively about the character and this underworld culture trying to be something new. And that tells me there'll be a great balance for every moment of just nostalgia. It's an authorian. There's going to be this push toward the new because that's the story. Yeah. Yeah, that's the final thought for me is I think the key thing from that trailer is how it begins. Like you said, Boba Fett saying, nope, not a bounty hunter. You might have known me as that, but that's not who I am now. And that is the story. The rest is just wonderful seasoning. Boomar Monk seasoning. (laughs) Boba Fett soup. And look, I'm being honest. Like, I'm so excited for Kenobi. So excited for Andor. This has never been a show I've been overlooking because it's Star Wars. I'm someone who loves 
Bad Batch, and I know that that didn't grab everyone. I, I I'm someone who just flips on Star Wars uh, when I'm even I'm not getting ready to talk about it on a podcast. I know a lot of you out there listening are that too. I'm not saying I've overlooked Boba Fett. I'm just saying this is a leadoff hitter for a big Star Wars lineup coming our way, and I'm excited to just finally get to it and excited to just go into Boba Fett with an open mind. And uh, like I said, no expectations means almost more excitement for me because I have no idea, no idea what I'm about to see. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel for me, a uh, short version of final thought is the shows like this are, feel like uh, creators who love Star Wars going, hey, what's over there? Yeah. <laughs> and I want to go with them while they go look at what's over there. To quote Tina Fey, I want to go to there. All right, uh, book, book of Boba Fett hits our living rooms on December 29th. And yeah, you better believe Force Center will be ready with a deep dive into all the action, the comedy, the whimsy of Boba Fett. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> the big giant themes, because that's what we absolutely love. A couple other quick news items here we want to talk about. Speaking of Kenobi, this one actually got me excited. Uh, you know, these uh, actors go out to promote other things, and and of course, the interviewers are going to be like, oh, by the way, you're in some Star Wars. And I I, I just loved hearing O'Shea Jackson Jr. speak about his uh, experience on Obi-Wan Kenobi. He was uh, speaking with someone from Collider there. Uh, and uh, I, the first thing, uh, Joseph, as, as we're here, we're excited for Boba Fett, which, by the way, we don't even really know the cast. We haven't seen it. <laughs> not even other human actors in the trailer. A couple shots here and there. Uh, but we could keep forgetting that this Kenobi cast, pretty awesome. We had this conversation with uh, Camille Nanjiani uh, a little bit ago where it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. He's part of it, too. O'Shea Jackson Jr. is in the Kenobi cast, and he got the spotlight this week. Any thoughts on just that? Of like, oh, yeah, we got a lot of names. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's really powerful and interesting that the the cast of Kenobi is obviously extremely talented actors, but there's also this element to them that is similar to The Mandalorian, where there's kind of a, a wide net of uh, places that different audience members would know these people from, right? The mm -hmm. the worlds of comedy or the worlds of this different kind of, uh, of filmmaking or acting. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'm just kind of excited by that, that idea that, um, okay, we, we are telling a, a very, very Star Wars story about one of the main characters of Star Wars, you know, facing off against one of the other main characters of Star Wars. Uh, but let's really widen the net and try to bring in as many people as possible uh, mm -hmm. by attracting audience members who might know all these different actors from different places and different kind of uh, pockets of our culture. Yeah, it's just smart casting. It works for a lot of other big franchises that uh, uh, do well. The box office, uh, which is not always, uh, you know, it's not always the end goal, but it definitely helps in this uh, for-profit Hollywood business. Uh, but just, uh, like you said, casting this net of bringing in a lot of different folks and a lot of new eyes to Star Wars, even if it's uh, one or two eyes, it's new eyes. And I love that as a Star Wars fan. He was promoting his Apple TV show, Swagger. And I love, he, he spoke about his love of the franchise growing up. And you, know, you and I have had the conversation before, Joseph, of some actors absolutely love it. And that's great for us. And some, hey, they're not familiar with Star Wars. And that's great for us as well. It's all what's on the screen. But it just was really cool. And as someone who's, uh, you know, he, he's been making his mark last few years as a, as a performer there uh, and, and writer. Uh, he, he had previously auditioned for Lando and Solo, which I think I kind of vaguely remember. I just kind of like that revelation. Uh, Donald Glover uh, obviously uh, got the role and did an amazing job. But uh, I just liked, I liked hearing that, that he's just been chomping at the bit to get into Star Wars. Yeah, no, I mean, the, he's so charming in the interview, which is always just fun and great to see. And I loved his uh, honesty 
about like, yeah, I didn't get Lando and I was crushed. I was just like, I'm not going to act anymore. Like, (laughs) and then he, that joking uh, comment that he was actually watching Star Wars before the interview just, and it really sounded like this idea of just like, it's just what I had on. (laughs) Yes. 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 You know? Yeah. And that, that's infectious. That's fun. Yeah. Like a guy I could hang out with at a party. Cause that's seriously, it's like, Oh, I need to watch revenge of the Sith for force center this week. Well, let me turn off uh, Phantom Menace and I'll watch revenge of the Sith for, for home. (laughs) Um, He spoke again about being totally immersed in the volume. And we always hear great praise for the volume from actors and I've always said this personally, it doesn't always work for me as a viewer. And I, I it's got the point where I, I don't even mean that negative. I just, I just can't unsee it. And eventually I will, but even in the Boba book of Boba, Boba Fett trailer, I was like, Oh, good use of the volume or it's, it's in my head. Like, and, and that's me, that's a me thing. Um, where are you right now with the rapid, this rapidly advancing technology that's only going to get bigger and better when you hear them talk about it, what does it make you think? I think my my knee-jerk reaction is that I, I'm happy that this technology exists, which is going to be able to expand lots of kinds of storytelling for lots of people. Like right now we're looking at it as a Star Wars thing, but it's already spreading out. And if this technology kind of becomes uh, normal, I think it's just going to be able to open up people's uh, lots of different creators' imagination. And that's really exciting to me. Mm-hmm. And then as somebody, uh, I haven't done a ton of uh, film acting uh, or directing, but I've done a ton of stage acting and directing. And knowing how important that is to actors, you know, mm-hmm. I think we've heard it so much that it can become kind of like, yeah, that's what you just say on the interview. It was a great project. I fell in love with the script. The volume is great. You know, like eventually yeah. it's going to be like it, it does. It loses its impact. Uh, but I feel like it's an honest thing that actors are saying that it makes such a huge difference to feel like you're in that space to be lost in it mm-hmm. is huge for the actors and I think really does uh, impact the performance so I think any reactions I have to how does it actually look on the screen are are overwhelmed by what it does for the performance and what it's going to do for storytelling down the line. Yeah. And I, and I think I brought it up because this time around, like I'm hearing a lot of these newer performers coming on Kenobi, right. Who haven't experienced before, including you McGregor himself and the, the way they're just blown away, just, just um, helps calm my nerves. I, I just always have to be a little honest, like season one, Amanda just kind of at times didn't look, uh, uh, all great for me, you know, and I don't want to be this bah humbug new technology. I just love out on location. I love Rise of Skywalker going to get a shot in the desert because they needed to, the, the, the the light. And I think the, the volume's going to get better and better and better. And I, 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 you know, I think, I think you're going to see not necessarily Star Wars. It could be movies shot in that kind of way too. Uh, I, I have to imagine George Lucas visits the set and just goes, yeah, this is what I wanted. Can we redo Phantom Menace? Like, I just, <laughs> I, I am intrigued more and more, and as more and more new actors come on board and go, wow, this is this is something impressive. It does make me excited and calms my nerves. And there might be people out there who have uh, some of those volume nerves like I do. Um, it, it's a curse. We'll get rid of it. We'll work through it together. And I love hearing things like this, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm with you. I don't think it, it always 100% works. There's other things where I was like totally tricked. of like, yeah, they went, they went somewhere for that, didn't they? No, right. no, they didn't. I really think that first season of Mandalorian is going to be sooner rather than later. It is going to look like watching an early talkie. Yeah. <laughs> right. We're like, this is amazing. But you can also see that it's the first steps. I think things like, you know, exactly how much real location they, they mix in to yeah. different scenes, you know, so, so you really forget. Uh, so you're really like, uh, I don't know if this one is, it was shot inside or outside. I think learning which camera angles, 
uh, make it feel more seamless in which camera angles make you feel a little bit like they're standing in front of a flat, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I think those things, there's just going to be more and more nuance to the way they use it. Yeah. Look, and I, I was someone who was getting, you know, a little grumpy with it in season one. And when I, when I learned in those making ofs that even, you know, the, the client's office was, was completely on the volume. I kind of shut up a little bit because I, I <laughs> fell for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. There you go. Uh, obviously, he didn't give too many hints on his role. The interview was trying to do what Ash Groshen does pretty af- effortlessly of uh, did you hold a lightsaber, that kind of stuff. Uh, but he did mention how much he connected with Ewan McGregor and Kamal Nanjiani. We already know from uh, previous uh, news reports, Kamal uh, says he's got a lot of uh, screen time with Ewan McGregor, even being intimidated by Obi-Wan. So, Joseph, I think that's enough, enough information for us to speculate wildly. What do you got? Yeah, no, we now we know the character name. Now we know it all. Yeah, yeah the yeah. costume. No, um, I think for me, I continue to think and hear these things from these actors that sound like there's a little bit more of a substantive role. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's relatively short, uh, six episodes, right? Yeah. Uh, but it, it keeps making me feel like um, this is not going to be, uh, you know, Kenobi alone staring out at horizons i think maybe the first episode and the last but along the way there's going to be this very uh quest-like journey you know like a a a wizard of oz uh making his uh, trip through the galaxy and encountering people and that's really fascinating to me the um plot wise i'm interested in like logistically who does he need to encounter to kind of facilitate his journey his quest his adventure but also the more people that Kenobi meets after he's been in isolation for a while, yeah. the more he is going to feel some impact of what's going on in the galaxy. You know, mm. uh, how much people have lost hope, how much pain they're in, uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, I kind of now go with this idea, again, wild speculation of uh, of uh, O'Shea and Kamel uh, kind of being... Uh, not necessarily ruffians or anything, but just like people who Kenobi maybe normally wouldn't associate with, but now he kind of needs to. And, and it does kind of bridge the gap of what you're talking about of Kenobi being reminded of what's really going on out the gal out there in the galaxy. And therefore maybe the importance of his overall mission with Luke and to keep hope alive and that kind of stuff. And I, 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 I kind of see a, a, a team up in a way versus uh, the idea of just them being adversaries for Kenobi. Uh, at least that's what I would like at this point, but it's very early. It is very early. Yeah, no, I'll I'll, I'll go with uh, uh, low-level Imperials or Scoundrels. Th- those are my guesses. <laughs> guesses. Uh, we mentioned the client, uh, Warren, Werner Herzog, not Werner, Werner Herzog. I want to see the baby. If you're on TikTok, that's all over the TikTok now, that sound clip. Uh, and uh, his office, the client, uh, it's uh, something we asked for. And this is a little bit of a follow-up to a news story last week, Joseph, with the Hasbro uh, PulseCon, all the kind of reveals of the figures coming our way and all the other merchandise we finally got it we're finally gonna get the client a six inch black series version of Werner Herzog as the client he's in Star Wars comes with a Camtono and a tracking fob how many are we getting of these each Joseph yes uh, I want to purchase the client <laughs> as much much like he wanted to see the baby i want to purchase the client yeah i don't generally collect uh the black series i only have a few but i'll get this right it, it's just a great uh celebration of the fun strange casting that they did in the mandalorian of the mm-hmm. this you know uh, auteur director there's a great and in <laughs> a fascinating take on everything star wars and he did an amazing job in the show he's a compelling character so of course i want to uh, uh celebrate that and you know uh, i wish that he came with an actual drink so i could celebrate the closing of our shared narrative uh, but i'll just have a drink when i buy this 
Uh, absolutely. Oh, that's oh, that's going to be the best Joseph Scrimshaw cocktail photo in the world. I'm looking forward to that one. Oh, Giant space cocktail next to the client. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Uh, I, as I've said before here, you know, I've slowed my collecting just the uh, space money and time and all those kind of things. But yeah, this is, uh, this is going to be on a shelf. I might even put it in like a shadow box with a spotlight on it. Uh, there's just something intriguing about this here uh, because of uh, who he is and who the performer behind the character is. And uh, it's fun to kind of see him in Star Wars. It just kind of makes it all super official that uh, he's in figure form. exactly we'll keep you updated on yeah go ahead i was just gonna say i love that he comes with a tracking fob and that'd be fun if you know you you had to use the tracking fob to actually find him would be (laughs) that'd be fun love it we'll keep you updated on new figures that got us intrigued uh, here but that is a look at uh, star wars news we're gonna take a quick break but before we do we have our force center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us joseph what do we have Yeah, there is a great new Star Wars book that is continuing the story of the Star Wars Visions short, The Duel. It is called Ronin by Emma Miko Kandon. That's the one we're recommending. It is. uh, Download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash forcecenter. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash forcecenter for your free audiobook. All right, let's take a quick break. We've got some great questions coming your way here on Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 
This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. All right, welcome back to Forcer, the big show, the main show, the superstar destroyer of our fleet, the Jabba's Palace of our underworld. All right, Joseph, <laughs> we've got some questions. Uh, what do you got? Well, first I have to wonder what our underworld is. It's just, uh, it's mesmerizing in the best way. Anyway, we got four questions as always. Two from Twitter, two from our patrons on Patreon. We'll go first to Twitter uh, in Kyler Mark Allred. Kyler says, with the Anakin Renaissance happening, who is a character you would love to come back for their own Renaissance? Whether it's a Disney Plus show, a movie, or in the books, I would love more stories about Mace Windu and how he became the Jedi Master we know him to be. This is a great question. We talked last week about uh, Anakin, of course, uh, confirmed for Kenobi and heavily rumored uh, to be uh, appearing in the Ahsoka show as well. So where do you go with this, Ken? Who do you want to see uh, have a renaissance like Anakin? This this is a kind of specific question versus just, hey, what kind of other shows would you want? It's and it gets me thinking, and it's funny because some of our previous answers uh, have come true, right? Uh, hey, a little more Qui-Gon, a little more Padme, a little more Dooku. We've kind of got, uh, got been fortunate enough as Star Wars fans to get that. So there's some places I've gone before of who, who I want to see in additional series. But I went with this one. I just kind of went with my gut. And it actually, it's funny, uh, Kyler asked this question. I had this random thought earlier in the week. It just, it just, it just, again, Joseph and I were always just thinking about Star Wars, whether there are microphones in front of us or not. Uh, I would like to see a Disney plus show. Uh, it wouldn't be a movie, but it could definitely work as a book, but I'd love to see the performers in these roles. I'm, I'm sneaking in a, a two for one answer here. <laughs> um, Tobias Beckett and, and Val. Mm. And whether it's a, I don't know, a Bonnie and Clyde kind of story, we know where they kind of end up, but there's some about them come together. And is there a kind of a theme of, I, I believe that there's a part of Tobias Beckett that wants to leave this world, but he can't. And, and that's part of the lesson there for Han. Uh, and there's some things he's saying that are true, but I think he's long since uh, just kind of been defeated by this world he's a part of. I think we obviously know there's um, uh, a lot still on the table, that character of, of Val. And there was that one-shot comic of kind of the crew in action, uh, which was actually pretty good, an underrated kind of one-shot Marvel comic. Go back five years, uh, them together, uh, throw in the death of Aura Singh, but just explore these two people trying to survive in this time frame and how maybe they want to change, but they can't. Or maybe Val doesn't really want to. She doesn't believe. Him. I don't know. There's something there. And, and, and frame it with kind of a Star Wars scoundrel love story, an underworld love story. Um, it might just be only popular to me, but that's something that I thought. <laughs> just those kind of two, those two characters getting a little bit of a, a renaissance just a couple years after Solo. I love that, and if, if you could wave a uh, a magic wand or a or I guess a Jedi mind trick uh, to the right people, um, how would this uh, be presented? What kind of medium? 
I, I mean, again, I would love to see the performance in the role. So a Disney Plus show tucked into some corner of Star Wars where, you know, I don't have to hear all the complaints. I can just enjoy this show. <laughs> um, but also it, it could work in a, in a book real well. I, I just would love to see, again, those actors in the role. But I think uh, a, a little Star Wars book, I, I'm thinking of like uh, Alex Segura's uh, uh, younger Poe Dameron uh, yeah. uh, novel, something like that, where it's just a kind of, it lives on the shelf and it's there and, and, and it adds. And, and um, I don't ever think I, I don't, you know, I don't want to, I don't need to have a book make something in the movies be more powerful, but that's kind of the, 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 the benefit of Star Wars and the tip of the iceberg storytelling kind of way you can approach things. Like you could build it emotionally. I'm not saying, you know, timeline wise, but emotionally build it to some of the stuff uh, we get with them in the beginning of Solo and maybe have it, make it have a little bit more impact for those who read the book, you know, uh, and I, I know that moment was uh, much talked about and, and uh, controversial at times uh, if you want to get in those discussions, but to, to, to make it kind of fill that backstory, fill that love story and um, give, give you those big emotional uh, connections. Could work. Yeah, no, I, yeah, no, I I love that uh, that idea that that relationship and that very that perspective that you know everybody needs somebody that uh, Val is so clear on that would be really fun to see explore. Yeah, uh, the love life of scoundrels <laughs> uh, with those actors in particular would get a big thumbs up from me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm I'm definitely intrigued by Mace Windu. I know a lot of people are intrigued yeah. by the idea that he would survive. Hey, I love Samuel L. Jackson. I I kind of like that. The end of the Jedi uh, Order at that time was also the end of Mace Windu. That works for me. Yeah, but I would love to see Mace Windu in his prime, just going around having Jedi adventures uh, again. I think the the High Republic really shows us that you know it, the entire galaxy doesn't have to be at stake. the uh, The soul of the Jedi can be at stake as they try to just handle a specific problem. So, like a six uh, episode Disney Plus show about. Uh, young mace windu mm. i'd be all up for that um so to the spirit of 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 kyler's question with kind of a more main character like mace like yeah no that, that might be one of my big choices but honestly one of the characters that i keep wanting to hear more about is quinlan voss um, mm-hmm. just a really compelling character from the brief amount of time we spent with him in in canon star wars storytelling and the fact that he is alive and what wasn't after the Jedi purge, but we don't know for how long, mm. <laughs> you know, keep waiting to see if he will pop up in something that exists. But wow, what a great character to, to explore yeah. <laughs> uh, having survived Order 66. So Quinlan Voss gets a vote from me. I, I, that would, I would uh, I would definitely tune in for that one. Just something intriguing about uh, a post Jedi life because he, he's already been through some things. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Jedi and the dark side, and does he adjust to it? Does he adjust too well to it? I don't know. Life outside of the Jedi Order—that'd be interesting. And a life on the run. Yeah. Any more for you? Uh, no. Other than the, the, that list of things, uh, the, the shows and characters, I still want to just continue the story, which is maybe <laughs> slightly different than a Renaissance. And look, by the way, talking about Renaissance, you know, give me the Jar Jar Renaissance. We've kind of got the Ahmed best Renaissance in Star Wars. Thank you. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm okay with a little Jar Jar Renaissance. Find a way to make that happen. I, I'd be on board for that. Yeah. Hey, look. You know what? I hope he shows up in the Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'd be thrilled with that. Uh, all right. We'll move on to a next question from Michael Gibbons. Michael says, after listening to your Secrets of the Sith episode, I've been thinking that I'd love a four episode miniseries about Rey's father from birth to death. Uh, we could learn lots about the galaxy between trilogies and Palpatine's evil machinations. Do you think we'll ever learn his story? 
Uh, well, so Michael here is talking about a four episode miniseries because as Star Wars fans, our main job in life right now is to get excited about potential Disney Plus series. Yeah. Totally understandable. Uh, did want to start this conversation with uh, the fact that we probably are going to get some more uh, about uh, the son of Palpatine. Uh, Ray's father from this upcoming Luke and Lando adventure book uh, called Shadow of the Sith. Uh, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but specifically from the Lucasfilm uh, description of that book, here's what that says. As Ochi hunts Ray and her parents to the edge of the galaxy, Luke and Lando race into the mystery of the Sith's lingering shadow and aid a young family running for their lives. Uh, so that to me sounds sounds like we're, we'll spend a little bit of time with uh, with Ray's father and, and maybe learn some of that stuff. What are your thoughts on this, Ken? Uh, what do you think we're going to get in the book? What more do you want? Yeah. What are you hungry for? What do you want from Ray's father? I am hungry for more Chad Palpatine. I really am. <laughs> I absolutely am. And, and to Michael's direct question, do will ever 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 learn this story uh, in a in a in mini series? I, I don't think that will happen. I think this is how we're going to get that kind of stuff. But uh, I think it's uh, really interesting. It's not just a, a parental issue kind of story, but you can explore a little bit of that when you're when your quote unquote dad is, uh, you know, the emperor. Uh, that that that's uh, that's pretty powerful storytelling. But also to get a little little reveal of of um, the Sith, the legacy of the Sith, not being able to let go, and how someone like this can completely um, reject that line early on, and how that can maybe connect, uh, uh, how much does that uh, find its way into the heart of Ray? You know, uh, I think a lot of uh, her journeys, uh, answering that in a different way and, and all that kind of stuff. And I don't want to take away from, uh, Ray's experiences and, and Ray's, uh, emotional and even, uh, literal and physical stands against evil. But, uh, you know, how much, uh, how much, uh, is imprinted on her from that? I, I, I am definitely intrigued. And I think that uh, the shadow of the Sith is a perfect way to get it. Yeah, and I'm curious to see how much we're going to get. I love a ton of the things you're saying. I, I love kind of what, what Michael is getting to about learning more about the galaxy through uh, Ray's father, mm -hmm. learning if his name is Chad Palpatine. Right. Extremely important. Finally, yeah. <laughs> Finally, what is his name? Um, so, yeah, there's there's that excitement of how does he process not just his place in this, but just kind of the history of the galaxy, like the understanding of he, we know he rejected his father, but you know, did Sheev try to put on any sort of face of kindness? Did he try to manipulate this one clone who worked, or yeah. you know, is this uh, this being only kind of aware of their own existence and then you know shoved in front of a rotting corpse hanging from a hook? <laughs> and it's like, meet Dad. He wants to be, you to be like this. <laughs> you know, is it just like uh, you know, uh, like? Frankenstein's monster coming to life and going, nah, no, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm getting out of here. Um, yeah. but, but how much he understands like the history of the galaxy, uh, mm -hmm. and, and himself. And I think one of the most intriguing things about it, and, and maybe something that would, I, I don't know, it, it might change or flavor people's opinion about the whole Palpatine story to, to take Ray's father, Palpatine's son, Chad Palpatine, whatever we want to call him, and imbue him with the same amount of identity and respect that the clones of the Clone Wars have, right? Yeah. Because I think sometimes when, when we think and talk about Palpatine's clones, it feels like maybe it's a little too sci-fi. It's a little too like, well, who is he? Right, he's just, right. okay, he's, just, he's running around having a family? Why? You know, like, I think sometimes when, when we can get negative, it's that. But the, think of how much just 
personality and storytelling and individuality mm-hmm. is springing from each and every clone of Jango Fett, right? Yeah. Um, the idea that this character would have that same level of like, you know, the way the clones did of, of oh, I guess we're supposed to be numbers, but just something inside us says, no, we want names. There's, you know, yeah. and explore that from the perspective of you are the son of the worst thing that's ever lived. <laughs> mm-hmm. What I love it, you, in, in the Secrets of the Sith uh, kind of touched upon it. Uh, and we do recommend you guys check that book out if you haven't already. Uh, there, it, This is Palpatine. And uh, there's without a doubt, I, I don't have any doubt that the Palpatine, if he doesn't like you or something and it's not working for his clone stuff, you're done. You're gone. You're killed. What? about this particular clone made him go, well, hold on. He's got enough fire in him that he might go, uh, I don't know, maybe settle down and have a family one day. <laughs> and this might factor into something. What about it? What made it work? What made uh, Palpatine press pause on the delete button there? Uh, that kind of ties into, I think, what you're saying of personality and identity and individuality versus uh, giant test tubes over there in Exegol. How did this one emerge? Uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's something there. There's something powerful there. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm super excited about it. I'm I'm trying to contain my excitement about how much we'll learn in this uh this book, Shadow of the Sith, uh, specifically about that because it sounds like Luke and Lando are the the main focus, and then this is, um, you know, a part of the the plot uh mechanics. Uh, but I am also excited just in general when you're thinking about these kind of stories ending up on screen someday. Mm-hmm. I think maybe there's a possibility of not super soon, but eventually, and it will come by blazingly fast (laughs) there will come a point where the the generation that grew up with the sequel trilogy as their star wars uh they will be the people who are driving they'll have peak cultural and purchasing power (laughs) and we might have to wait a little bit but then i think we'll see a lot more of these sequel era stories on screen i agree look for it on force center 2000 when we break down (laughs) the chad series Exactly. I thought you were going to maybe just stop at when we break down. (laughs) (laughs) That's possible. It could happen. All right. Two more questions from uh, patrons on Patreon. First, Andrew Holmes. Andrew says, hello, Force Centarians. Uh, I recently received a Star Wars Rebellion as a gift, and I have to say it is an absolute blast. The gameplay itself is really thematic, fun, and immersive, and really puts you into the mindset of either the Empire or Rebellion. These kind of games have really deepened my love of the franchise through this kind of lived experience. Have either of you delved into tabletop or RPG games? And if so, how have these impacted your love of Star Wars? Uh, Ken, you're not a big gamer, but have you? how much have you gained? Uh, in terms of tabletops and RPGs, not a ton. I do own and used to play the hell out of Star Wars Monopoly. So that kind <laughs> of is like a role-playing game when you're just kind of going around and purchasing up the galaxy. Uh, but I, I've got Star Wars Rebellions up on my screen right now. I'm looking at it here. And you know what? I've seen this. I've seen this around. seen this on display at some conventions. And this does seem like a fun Friday night. Uh, this does seem, because, you know, I grew up on those classic kind of board games, and I know a lot of people have, uh, you know, moved past those kind of games. It's They don't want to be a hobby. They want to be something a little more serious, and I respect that. Um, but so so this could be fun. I, I've never had the chance. I, and I had some friends, the old Collider job, who would play this game too, and, and would speak exactly uh, on the game like Andrew's speaking of uh, just themes and fun and just this immersive experience. So uh, I would like to eventually when I have time to try it, because I think it would do just what Andrew's saying, expand 
the love of Star Wars and impact your love of Star Wars, which uh, is something I continue to um, love. Love, I just love experiencing it, even this many years into loving Star Wars. Yeah, well, well said. And looking at this uh, on uh, Fantasy Flight Games uh, website, uh, it is uh, for two players, two to four players, and it has uh, one awards. Uh, it looks like for best two player game, uh, Dice Tower Gaming Award, mm-hmm. uh, and it is just straightforward: uh, the Rebellion versus the Empire. Which Ken, that is your kind of intro point <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> to your love of Star Wars, right? You used to say you were more about the war uh, yeah. than the lore because you're like, yeah, it's the the Rebellion versus the empire so uh, time is always uh such a a factor of we want to embrace star wars in all these ways so we are not promising this because time is a challenge but a two-player game you and i could sit down and play this (laughs) and we could do it and you know what i got my rebel baseball cap i got my imperial baseball cap you know whatever side (laughs) you are you have to wear the hat yeah yeah i mean you can hold your your hats behind your back and like (laughs) i'll have to pick one or something that's how we decide who gets to play uh yeah i've got an interesting place with this for myself is uh I, i have done a lot of uh role-playing and tabletop gaming. Uh, I haven't done as much of it in recent times because of different life changes, but particularly um, when I lived in Minneapolis, uh, many of my friends are big gamers. Uh, Many of my friends uh, worked or still work for Fantasy Flight Games. Uh, I probably know people in the credits for this game. Uh, So gaming was a big, big part of my life, uh, but I haven't had the chance to really explore it in the Star Wars vein when I was playing a lot, not uh, as many of these games existed yet. Uh, But I really, really relate to what Andrew is saying about your connection uh, being increased by this lived experience, as Andrew says Mm. uh, so well. Some of the games that I played a lot, um, there's this very weird, very obscure Cthulhu game called The Hills Rise Wild. Um, And it's just a fighting game, but you you have miniatures and they have character names. And, you know, I would get, so upset when a character I loved would get (laughs) brutally shot in the back (laughs) because you know it it is this weird thing where you yep it's just cardboard but you are being the character right right Right. and that lived experience it's like video games um that you have a closer bond by just being them in this weird way yeah and, and and it's uh yeah, I know, because you feel it. It's tactile. You're holding it. You're there. You're connected. I mean, I make the joke, but even the Monopoly one, it was, I played it with my, my, an old friend of mine I worked with at the radio station. She worked the night shift and I would, I would, I was the morning show host and I would show up every night, five days a week with Star Wars Monopoly in 1997. <laughs> and we would just play the game and have a lot of fun. And it just felt, and at the time, it just felt like you were, you were rolling around this galaxy that you knew and loved, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and just yeah, spending time with the details too, right? Like I'm sure, just the you're you're really spending time with the specific ships, the specific planets, all that stuff yeah. uh, just deepens the love. So uh, I think that's great for you, Andrew, and I'm I'm sure we would both like to be able to pursue it more than we have. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that one, Ken? No, I mean, just look. I'm looking at it right now. There's an add to cart button, but maybe not. Maybe next. Year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, once we get the client action figures yes. so we got to keep our priorities straight uh, alright great question Andrew we'll move on to our final question from James Puckett uh, James says my question is a two parter one for Ken how excited are you for the unseen footage from the new Get Back Beatles documentary and two 
for everybody. Uh, what is your favorite Star Wars documentary? I got to go with the Phil Tippett Return of the Jedi Creatures documentary with the beginning being a very close second. Mm. Uh, Ken, uh, let's let's address the Beatles first in this uh, great <laughs> two-parter documentary question. Yeah. Uh, are, are you, you're excited for that documentary, right? Yes, I am. And James is a relatively new supporter of us over on Patreon. I saw his... Uh, his uh, uh, name pop up there in the Discord. Welcome, James, to the party. And uh, yeah, I, as a lifelong Beatle nut, I am uh, really excited. And uh, you know, Peter Jackson is is a Beatle fan too. But one of the things I'll tell you what you, you talk about themes, you talk about Book of Boba Fett. I can I can kind of connect it to that. Uh, the, the Get Back Beatles documentary is all around the recording of uh, that album. Uh, you know, Get Back was what they eventually called it. Let it be kind of was what the thought was, and uh, it is one of the famous. Oh, the Beatles are all fighting and Yoko's breaking up the band and all those kind of things that become these narratives that kind of poured out of the history books, the pop culture history books in the 60s, 70s, 80s and beyond. But that's not all necessarily true. And it's definitely not fair to Yoko. And it's definitely not fair to the Beatles at that time who actually were getting along at times and had some great moments. It just was a weird situation. I'm looking forward to this documentary kind of going, here's your nostalgia, but we're going to kind of give it a new identity and tell you a little bit of a different narrative. I think that some of the things I've even heard about uh, and even Peter Jackson talking about what brought him to the project other than just, hey, he's a Beatles fan. Because uh, it, it's it's famous for George and Paul arguing and George saying, I'll do whatever you want me. I'll play what you want me to do. I'll play whatever you want me to play, Paul. And they're fighting. But uh, that was just the highlights. And often, as uh, you and I know, uh, the highlights can become the full story, and that's not necessarily the case. So uh, keeping with our Star Wars themes, I'm looking to retheme the Get Back Sessions. <laughs> that is great. I'm very excited for you. I'm not as uh, as knowledgeable of a fan uh, as you can, and I've drifted away a little bit. But man, yeah. Beatles were huge for me uh, when I was yeah. young. I, I had the White Album on repeat, which took a lot of work because it was you know two vinyl records. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> four sides. To, so to listen to White Album on repeat took physical labor. Um, <laughs> huge Beatles uh, period had John Lennon glasses, all that oh. kind of stuff. So I'm really excited to kind of from my different perspective because as a kid you know and a teen yeah. uh, and a young adult that was a real different perspective and they were like my dad's band that I suddenly connected with and yeah. that was a connection but now that I'm older kind of looking back at them as where were they at as creators in this difficult time I'm um, or maybe not difficult time as you're saying I'm really fascinated yeah. I also actually did for a concert uh, play get back uh, with my band when I was a drummer so I want yes. to watch Ringo put that drum part together and see how badly I got it wrong <laughs> That's that's amazing. I, love it. I I want the documentary of the day Guns N' Roses blew the Beatles out of your CD player. That's <laughs> They coexisted for quite a while. <laughs> As they yeah. Did. Yeah. Love it. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, moving on from that, uh, we could, uh, of course, do Beatles Center and maybe maybe we will someday. Ken will take the lead on that. But let's talk uh, the second part of James question about just the power of documentaries. You did a great job tying that to Star Wars. What is your favorite Star Wars documentary and why? Oh, man, he meant like a Phil Tippett stuff and all that. Like some of the 80s things are still just we've talked about those of just uh, of uh, just the, I, can, I can remember the lines as a kid. I. I I love that it brings up the beginning. I, I'm a big fan of Empire of Dreams, which is a Lucasfilm commission type of uh, doc, which can sometimes, I don't know, maybe fuzz, uh, fudge some of the details and cover up some of the bruises. And, and uh, that's fine and fair. But I think it's I love that doc. Empire of Dreams is uh, fun. Let me just put it on. While I'm doing some work now and, and I get into it. I get into the story. Um, that said, the beginning and the director and the Jedi are right there neck and neck. And that and that, uh, that Rise of Skywalker tie-in one was really good, too. Mm -hmm. There's something about the beginning 
that especially if you track my relationship to the prequels and often you can, you can look at a, a, a doc and, you know, it could, you could take what you want out of it. And as a prequel fan, I remember looking at a lot of that documentary early on and pointing to points of potential mistake from George, right? Like, oh, he cast this guy. He, he could have cast this kid and, and he was doing this and he could have done that. And um, you could go that way. And some of that stuff is there. But now when I look back watching it, particularly around the stuff, I don't want to beat around, beat around the bush here, around the Jake Lloyd, Lloyd stuff, because in the even the documentary, there's clips of George kind of saying, yeah, you know, I, you might save time because the other kid might hit his marks a little better. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but just uh, there's something about this kid I like. And now when I look at the beginning, I see it as a testament to George going, I've got a story to tell. I want my story uh, out there. This is what I want to do. And I'm trying to reach a new generation and, and mistakes and all, or weird decisions and all Rick McCallum chomping gum and all. I see it differently now as my relationship with the prequels has changed. And that's why I just kind of love the beginning. It's such um, an interesting watch even now. And because it has no narration, there's no, you know, on day one, it's just, it's the story and you're just kind of observing it. And I take a lot from it. Yeah, no, I, I haven't watched it in a long time and I'm, you're getting me super pumped uh, to rewatch it. Or just, I saw just a bit of, of clips on uh, a Twitter feed discussing something in particular, um, mm. but it had this, the infamous, it's like poetry, right? Uh mm which is just such a lightning rod. And I really want to go and rewatch that again and just really uh, uh, watch it with the perspective that I, I really started to have in, in 2014 of like, uh, stop trying to rewrite <laughs> the prequels in your mind and understand them from the perspective of uh, a million creative people worked on this, but George Lucas had this story he wanted to tell. Why did he want to tell it? What does it mean to him? that's where all the humanity is going to flow from and just watch it from that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. It's, it's worth a revisit. Yeah. Uh, I think for me, um, the, the director of the Jedi is great, really powerful. Uh, the rise of Skywalker one really hit me. Uh, it's official title. I believe is a Skywalker legacy. Mm. Um, I think particular since, you know, th there's a lot of strong opinions about that film and is always totally respected. If anybody watches it and just says, this doesn't work for me, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. um, but there can, there couldn't be such negativity, not just about hey, the film didn't turn out, but um, guesses and opinions about the intentions of the creators, right? Mm -hmm. Of saying this was lazy or they, they bent to this group or, or that kind of thing. And you know, those are people's opinions and you can have your opinions. But for me, it's just a little bit of a, um, a balm mm. to watch this uh, documentary where you see, I don't see anybody who is being <laughs> cowardly yeah. or lazy or trying to appease anyone. I just see a bunch of really passionate artists working incredibly hard yeah. to create something that they believe in. And I think because of the kind of mood around the rise of Skywalker, I really got a lot out of the Skywalker legacy. It was really moving to see all the, these artists like just being like, Hey, totally fine. If you didn't like the product that they made, but look at the passion and the love and the work that they put into this product. Yeah. The scale of it was so huge and, and the love and the passion was there on every little level, even some of the decisions and maybe they made uh, the incorrect decisions in your mind, but they made them. And I always think that's important. And that goes back to even George. He made them. He made decisions. He wasn't just floating through this and neither were they. I think that's a great answer. 
Yeah. And then uh, I will second yours. I think my number one uh, documentary is Empire of Dreams, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because I, I understand there's probably some things that maybe some other people in the process disagree with how they're spun, but there's a lot. Lucas made that. Yeah. <laughs> and he called it Empire of Dreams, right? And he has stuff in there from Harrison Ford going, you can't write this stuff. <laughs> you can write it, but you can't say it, right? Like, there's a lot of critical stuff, right? Um, this isn't like a, a to me, it isn't Luke is just going like, look at all the great things I did. Like, here are all the bumps. Here's the times that there was conflict and people disagreed with me. And and it's got that that extremely strange and and fascinatingly tortured it represented in the title of like i wanted to be an indie filmmaker so in order to do that i built an empire and it, it's it's he and he's putting out this documentary right around when revenge of the sith is going to come out round <laughs> yeah. come out right right around when obi-wan is going to say to anakin you became the very thing yeah. <laughs> that you were meant to destroy yeah. and lucas is kind of saying that about himself of like I don't, I, I, I'm distrustful of huge organizations. And in order to fulfill my little indie vision, I built one. I, I named my documentary Empire of Dreams. I didn't, yeah. <laughs> it, it didn't title it, you know, Victory of Independent Rebellion. <laughs> I called it Empire of Dreams. And that ultimately makes it fascinating because it's an yeah. insight into like, why is Lucas saying that about himself? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's hard not to answer that one for me, too. Only because Irving Kirshner says smooching, uh, which is just the best. <laughs> I couldn't have a lot of smooching in the film. <laughs> just my favorite. <laughs> yeah, so uh, great answers. And I'm um, sorry, I'm not going to record anymore, Ken. I got to go watch the beginning. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, you should. And I might watch Empire Dreams tonight on the treadmill. Like, it's it's way away. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, those are our questions. Thank you, James. Thank you, Andrew, Michael, and Kyler. Yes, thank you all. And hey, uh, if you want to find us, some of you might be listening uh, for the first time. Some of you might be listening to us for the first time in a while because of the book of Boba Fett trailer might bring you in. Uh, hey, welcome. Uh, glad to have you around here. You can follow us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. Podcasts available on a lot of different spots, including the classics like Apple Podcasts, Google uh, Podcasts, but also Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Now's the time to get that Speculate Responsibly t-shirt so you can remind yourself when you look in the mirror. You can support us directly like James Puckett just did recently by going to patreon.com slash force center. Always love having new patrons uh, from there. You get access to the discord server where we have a daily and weekly conversation about Star Wars. You know, we do this thing. I do. I put up a character of the week. We discuss it. I couldn't do it this week because Boba Fett got in the way of that. So I'll get a character <laughs> of the week up here. Uh, you can follow me at Ken Napsock or go to kennapsock.com for more information on all the things I do. Joseph and I love to highlight uh, things with uh, uh, things in the real world that we want you to maybe pay attention to or shine a light on. Uh, I've been uh, focusing on uh, Be the Match a lot lately. That's the National Bone Marrow Donor Program, something I'm involved in. Go to bethematch.org for more information on how you can become a bone marrow donor. Joseph, what do you got? 
Yeah, you can find me uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw and check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com for all my other comedy adventures. Uh, for my other podcast, Obsessed, our most recent episode is a big discussion about Dune Part 1, so check that out if you're interested. And for the thing that I'd like to give a shout out to, I uh, want to continue to support uh, ResistBot. It is a service uh, that lets you very, very quickly and very easily uh, reach your representatives at all different governmental levels. So if you have a strong opinion about something that is happening or something you feel should happen it is a great way to uh, reach out and have your voice heard it is indeed all right that's it for this week so for boba fett fennec shan and that handful of money in a mask we'll see you next time this was force Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.